Welcome to Striving for Revival with Justin Cooper. This broadcast will challenge and encourage God's people to seek revival. We pray you'll be blessed as you listen to Striving for Revival. Welcome to the Striving for Revival radio broadcast. This is evangelist Justin Cooper coming today from somewhere along the Revival Trail. My, what a privilege it is to have you join us for the broadcast today. And what an honor is mine to take the King James Bible and to share with you some eternal truth from the very... Word of God. We are diving into a new chapter today, a new look at the old book here in Genesis chapter number six. And now this will be a familiar text to most of us. And we've learned this story as young children, but I pray we'll get some application from it for our lives. And I know that we will. How fitting this text is for the day and hour in which we find ourselves. I hope you're uh, finding yourself blessed today and uh, full of the Spirit and enjoying the Christian life. There's no time, no reason to be pessimistic. I don't want to be around some Debbie Downer. I don't want to be around some pessimistic Patty. I don't want to get around some negative Nancy. I tell you, I want to get around somebody who is uh, on the winning side, living on top side, happy about life, has a spring in their step, a smile on their face, a shout on their lips. It doesn't always have to be good, but you can always be glad that you're saved. The Bible said rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You know, praise when you get the raise is cheap. Praise when you're broke means something. Praise on the mountain doesn't cost very much, but praise in the valley, that's precious. And you and I, if we just rejoice in the blessing, we're not really worshiping. we got to rejoice in the blesser. And God is worthy, whether you feel like he is or not. you got to just rejoice. Just clear off a spot. Say, give me some room. I just want to I just want to say, God has been good. And I promise you this, even if things are bad, you start to rejoice and tell God how good he is, it starts to make things get pretty good, and it'll help you. Now, Genesis chapter 6. We've found out Adam and Eve have sinned because of that sin has entered into the world. Now, with sin, through the conduit of sin, comes death. In Genesis chapter number 5, we read that phrase over and over again, and he died, and he died, and he died. I mentioned last study that in a world full of and he died, isn't it good? Enoch got taken out. And what a picture of the church, the believer. We're not looking for wrath. We're going to get out before the judgment comes in a world full of death. We're going to get taken out of here, and Jesus is coming, and it'll happen in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed, and we'll be out of this place. Thank God for that. But now we're going to come to Genesis chapter 6, and I want you to see what our Bible tells us here in verse number 1. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth, and daughters were born unto them, that the sons of God saw the daughters of men, that they were fair. And they took them wives of all which they chose. And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be an hundred and twenty years. There were giants in the earth in those days. And also after that, when the sons of God came in unto the daughters of men, and they bare children to them, the same became mighty men, which were of old men, of renown. Now, there's a lot of uh, conjecture there, and there's a lot of di- different opinions. Commentators uh, find themselves in disagreement, but we just take the Bible at face value, and it says here, the sons of God intermingled with the daughters of men, and the outcome of that were these mighty men, these giants, and we understand even with Goliath and his brethren, how they are no doubt Part of that lineage of these men from that day. All right, now look at verse number five. We're going to start getting into what I want us to see. 
And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now, there's two words, or we could even pick three. I think it's even more powerful to add the third. In verse number five, that you ought to circle, you ought to underline, you ought to look at. You take those three words and you can lift them out. <laughs> you could write that in your Bible, write that upon your mind, write that in your conscience, and it'll help you. Here's those three words. God saw that. Oh, my. You see that? I'm underlining it. God saw that. What a strange statement. What a striking statement. What a convicting statement. The Bible tells us here's what man is up to. But then it says not only is here's the activity of man, but now it says and here's the awareness of God as to that activity. It tells us that man was wicked. In fact, the Bible said his wickedness was great. There was so much sin. It was abounding on every side, just debauchery, depravity on display. And not only that, the imaginations of his heart, they were evil continually. He didn't even have a godly thought in his heart. His mind was his messed up, reprobate mind, as the Bible will call it. Everything that he envisioned, everything that he imagined, everything that he invented, everything that he endeavored to do, it was all wicked and anti-God. It was unrighteous. God saw that. God saw every bit of it. God was not up in heaven taking a nap. God was not unplugged. God was not blind to it. God had not turned his face away nor closed up his ears. God was tuned in. God was focused. God saw what man was up to. And the Bible said in verse number six, it repented the Lord that he'd made man on the earth and it grieved him. You got to underline that word. It grieved him at his heart. So here it is, man's sin directly affected the heart of God. Now, sometimes we'll preach and say, you ought not sin because of the consequence. And we think about that in our own life, our personal life, the, the damage it will bring, the, the embarrassment it causes, whatever, the heartache, the scars. But what about this one? It actually grieves God when you sin. When you and I do wrong, it breaks the heart of God. God is righteous, God is holy, God is pure, God is just, God is perfect, God is without spot, He has no wrinkle, God has no flaw, God is not uh, in the, uh, even in the ballpark of sin. God is so sinless, I can't even explain with human tongue the perfection of God. Now, so you think when man, his creation, gets involved in that, God just winks. No, God doesn't wink, it breaks his heart. Calvary proves that to us. The fact that God would have his son die on a cross in that fashion, in that kind of agony, in that kind of a way, tells us what God thinks about sin. Now, you might sin and get away with it with man, but God sees it. You got to think about it. God saw that. That's right. When you, uh, when, when, when you do what you ought not do, God saw that. When you watch what you ought not watch, watch, God saw that. When you say what you ought not say, God saw that. When you go where you should not go, God saw that. If we would take that phrase and we would remember that, it might keep us kind of hemmed in, hedged about, if you will, and from making some mistakes, God saw that and it grieved him at his heart. I want to make God glad. I don't want to make him sad. I don't want to grieve God. I don't want to trouble him. I don't want to break his heart. Now, I know I do, and you do too, every single day. I know we swing and miss, we fall short, we stumble. But here's the thing. We ought not do it willfully, wantingly. We ought not do it gleefully or gladly. We ought to be very careful 
and walk very circumspectly and do our best not to draw God's face downward, but to put a smile on his face because we're trying to live a life that pleases him. So the Bible says God saw that and it grieved him. And here is what God determines. And the Lord said, I'll destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and the creeping thing and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I've made them. It's a reminder to you and I that sin brings forth consequences. The Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. You don't sin and skate free. There will be some sort of a result when we do wrong. And so here it says, God was so disturbed by the depravity of man, he determined to start over. He said, I, I tell you this much, he said, I'm done with this crowd. They are so vile, they are so wretched, they are so wicked. Now, prophetically, the Lord tells us that as it was in the days of Noah, that's how it's going to be when the Son of Man comes again. When the rapture takes place, it will be parallel by the, by the days of Noah. Now, if you think about where we're living and what we're seeing and how we're enduring what we're enduring, the culture, the climate, what we see in our nation, around this world, there is no debating the fact that we are in those days even now. He said, as in the days of Noah, they were marrying and giving in marriage. They were drinking. They were reveling, partying. That's how it is today. Everything's about fun and flesh. Everything's about me and everything's about my way and my wants and my choice. And no, no, no uh, reverence for God whatsoever. As it was in those days, that's how it is in our days. And here's what we know. Judgment came, and now we can say judgment is coming. But one of these days, the Lord's going to ring out with a shout. We're going to get out of here in the rapture. But after that, I promise you this, all hell's going to break loose on this earth. God saw that. Remember that phrase. Until next time, pray for revival. Thank you for joining us today for Striving for Revival with Justin Cooper. Listen at this time every weekday as we strive for revival.